0: Noted American slacker Steve Malchimus and his Jicks. It's time for another Fantasy Friday edition of FanGraphs Audio. Hello, I'm Carson Stouli, and my guest on this Fantasy Friday edition is Rotographs editor and semi-notable German-American, Mr. Eno Saris. Saris joins us this week from San Diego, California, where he has designs on drinking all of that city's beer. In between sips, however, we discuss the following, as we do every week, notable relief pitching situations, which unexpected pitchers are closing games, which pitchers are about to lose their claims on their closing roles, and who we might expect to replace them. Coming out of that conversation, Saris shares some results he found while looking for that information that most readily predicts a pitcher's future chances at at laying claim to the closing role. Interesting conversation there. We also look at some things that don't correlate strongly with the pitchers chances at future save opportunities. Finally, we take a look at some young players who may or may not be making an impact in the near future, the near-ish future. Trevor Bauer of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Will Myers of the Kansas City Royals. Can the latter play center field? Likely not, but it would help him. There's more than that, of course, and you can hear it all in Technicolor Sound, which I swear is a real thing, on this edition Of Fangraphs Audio with Eno Saris right now.
1: Probably the best beer city in the U.S. has been voted as such uh, by a couple of different magazines, and uh, I just love uh, Ballast Point, Green Flash, Port Brewing, uh, Alpine, Alesmith. It's, a, it's just a crazy list of my favorite beers, pretty much.
0: And they're all present there. Have you taken a trip to your local uh, grocer? for Not
1: person? yet, but, uh, but the... the um, the breweries are so close that, uh, I think we may just skip the grocer and go straight to the breweries.
0: So. Oh, okay, yeah. A brew pub situation, perhaps. Yes? No?
1: Yeah. Huh? Oh. Yeah, they, well, they're actually, uh, really light on the pub and heavy on the brew because, uh, they actually, uh, you're actually sort of drinking among the vats that they brew in.
0: Oh, that's cool. That sounds great. Yeah. That sounds like a sort of thing. Now, will you, um Will your, will your young child be drinking as well?
1: <laughs> I'll get him a sippy cup.
0: Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to indoctrinate it. Well, I think the French do that, right? The uh, I mean, not a, <laughs> a mixed wine. The, the children will have mixed wine, but frequently starting at a rather young age.
1: Yeah, I've, and my family is German, so uh, we had uh, Coca-Cola and wine.
0: Oh, okay. Well, now, I want to ask you, of course, uh, I have some questions about Germany in a moment. I, wa- I do want to tell you, though, um, I certainly don't have your range of knowledge uh, apropos beer, uh, but I am drinking what uh, right now one of my favorite nut brown ales, a br- um, nut brown ale called Downtown Brown from um, from Eureka, ah. California, Lost Coast Brewery.
1: Yeah, you're I from, do like that one a lot. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah. I recommend to you um, if you like that one, you would really like Moose Drool, well by uh, Big Sky. What you're
0: actually okay. talking to is a person who himself lived. In Missoula, Montana.
1: <laughs> I did. All right. Oh, you did. You lived there. No, I, I really did. I, I really did, right
0: did right live now. there. Yeah, uh, and I'm telling you that it's that's awesome. That's where it's from, or at least near that's there. Great beer, right? Uh, yes, yes. It, uh, it was very good. Of course, when you know, uh, if you live in the place where it's brewed, it, it seems less special, I suppose. I had no sense.
1: Yeah.
0: um <laughs> I had no sense, and I think when I lived there, I was maybe. I had just turned 21, so I did not have like a great. I didn't have a body of work against which to compare it.
1: Right. You understand, yeah.
0: but yes, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. 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 I lived actually. Um, well, there were two breweries there, but it's a possibility that I lived just a block away from the brewery at that point. Um, oh, there were a couple cool. breweries in Missoula, though. Yeah.
1: Missoula is probably not that huge of a town.
0: It's not very big. No, not very big. I mean, it's the it is the, the universities there. And that provides a lot of the sort of action, and then you get a lot of people in from the hill towns. there are hill towns that surround it that are even smaller than Missoula itself, and people will come nah. in it's a strange phenomenon, one that I have not witnessed in many other places um certainly that I've lived is that people would come in and just l- literally drive this one main street uh, you know it's several miles long, and just up and down. Uh, younger people in pickup trucks just really racing down it even though it was like a normal commercial <laughs> street. Yeah, very strange.
1: Um, I, I, I lived in Atlanta for a while so I saw the opposite of that where they were driving like 2 miles an hour and uh, there were signs that said you must drive at least 10 miles an hour.
0: <laughs> oh, is that
1: right? But I've never seen the, the racing down the main street so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Or, or dangerous.
0: Yeah, it was uh, was more dangerous and mostly just unpleasant as a pedestrian or a bike rider, Um, (laughs) from my perspective. My wife and I. I, (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, My wife and I. uh, She was not my wife at the time. We uh, we would generally stay. We would generally not go out as much on Friday and Saturday nights, for that reason. Also, because we're nerds. Um, Also, apropos Germany, as I mentioned um there I wonder to what degree you follow them in, in their uh euro, euro 2012 campaign
1: uh, I've got it on right now i've been i've been uh I work in baseball though so i uh, I've had to watch more baseball and it's been sort of in the background but right um, i right. Uh, I've, I've been paying more attention when the germans play yes and yeah. um, and I do think that they're uh pretty much a, a favorite They're the, they're one of the top three teams in the cup this year Um, and I look forward to uh, seeing some knockout Mm -hmm. games where I sit down and shut everything else off yeah
0: well they've certainly looked quite good Um, yeah as you mentioned probably one of the favorites at this point I have a a German friend with whom I've been watching uh, a couple of the games here in Madison um, and he he came in not as a believer of course he's from Bremen the Bremen area um, where Miroslav Klose played for some time and uh, he is not a believer in, in uh, Mario Gomez, although he's sort of been converted, I guess, a little bit
1: uh, It is really weird I did not believe in him either coming into this um, but uh, I would caution putting too much stock in those two goals against Holland because um, he was matched up against a like 17 or 18 year old Dutch guy um, and he kind of grand circle
0: around he me. He did, yeah. He looked quite good, though. He looked quite good. Um,
1: yeah. In any case. All
0: right. Well, that's that. That's the sort of uh, the, the pattern, um, I guess. Uh, uh, not to, the not,
1: baseball. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Well, not that what we have to talk about is of, uh, of any very great consequence, you and I are lucky in that we get to um, uh, make baseball. Baseball is a means uh, to an end in terms of uh, making money for us, so there's nothing really to complain about there. Uh, um, now, we, we generally start off. We have started off. We, we've called it the Hector Santiago status update before, but uh, it's become an entree into just a, a way to look at closers, which is something that I continue not to understand, or at least not to keep up on. But I, but, but your, uh, the bullpen report at Rotograph certainly helps with that um, for anyone who's interested in that. That is a no. That's a a nightly feature. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, seven days a week, or actually six days a week but nightly feature and it has a, a nice bullpen grid in it that you can just one-stop shop and, and look at uh, it's got sort of color coding so you can just look in, at all the red ones and look what, what pictures you like and you know try to troll for saves that way
0: right and I will say that uh, it's also um, very useful in preparing for this because as you know as I've mentioned before um, I don't play in any leagues where where um, targeting saves is of Paramount to import, uh, you and I play in a in an in the Auto New League, the Fangraph Staff League. Uh, it's a linear weights league, and um, uh, relievers also get points for holds. Uh, so role plays a slightly less um, uh, slightly less importance in the overall scoring. But I will generally, what I'll do is um, before I have these Fantasy Friday podcasts, is I'll look at that closer grid, uh, which again is very important. Uh, very useful, and I'll find the most surprising names. And then I will ask you or um, your minions about the names that are most surprising. The one I see on there right now that's probably most surprising, to me at least, is um, Sean Camp. Sean Camp has been, yeah. during the course of his career, I, I think I think he started it with Tampa Bay as kind of a swing man. He's been at, kind of not, not really even at the back end of a bunch of bullpens, but now apparently he's the closer for Chicago.
1: Well, uh we have him listed as such and uh we're I think <clears throat> you know, personally in my own head, um I kind of had him listed ahead of uh of Russell uh before he ever got his first save as a Cub. Uh just because uh and I did some research on this, uh cl- uh managers don't like lefty closers. Um, they're half as likely to give a a, a lefty a shot at a closer role, Um than they are, uh, than, than they should be. You know, there's there's half as many lefty closers as there should be, pretty much. Uh, how are you? Yeah. That,
0: that's interesting. I, I, I def- definitely want to talk about camp, but how did you? Uh, what were, what sort of methodology do you use in determining that?
1: I just I just uh, it was just a count of it was just a count count of all all the closers since um, I I did since free uh, actually I I changed it I did it since 1990. Um, I, I first did it since free agency began in '74. Um, but, you know, bullpens have been used a little differently um, recently. So I did it since 1990, and I just counted how many closes there were, like how many pitchers there were over a certain threshold of saves, um, how many closer seasons there were, that sort of deal. Um, and I just found that, especially at the top, once you, if you set, set the threshold at like 20, 30 saves, then you only have about 8% left. you. So, and you would expect uh, to, you
0: would expect what?
1: You'd expect 25 to 30, which is uh, about the instance of left-handers in, in um, pitching style.
0: Right, and I guess that's true. We have seen that. I mean, um, you know, for example, I could think of a recent example with Matt Thornton. There was some reluctance on the part of the White Sox to name him closer, even though he had, uh, you know, consecutive lights-out seasons at the back end of the, of the Chicago bullpen. Um, of course, he didn't necessarily uh, uh, he didn't he didn't acquit himself very well once he was named closer. But the White Sox were also very close to replacing, or very quickly yeah, to, to replace
1: him. Yeah, you know, I think I think that it also makes sense from a sort of intuitive, um, a, a sort of intuitive way where you you know that the plato- you see the platoon advantage to so three quarters of the league. If you put a lefty in the in the closer spot, you so you pretty much need the lefty to be that much better.
0: You need him uh, to be Billy Wagner, essentially.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Who apparently, and actually, true. Billy Wagner, a closet righty. Uh, I believe that Billy Wagner... his
1: movement.
0: Well, perhaps with his movement, but I believe he was right-handed up to a certain age, at which point... Oh. At which point a bully, I believe a bully or maybe an older brother, broke his right arm, at which point he taught himself how to throw with his left arm. Yeah. So therefore, he's crazy. actually a righty. You could put him in your righty c- category. Yeah,
1: I, I've forgotten that. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: so, so how does this apply to to the to the closer situation oh. in Chicago? So
1: James Russell is a um, is a mediocre pitcher, uh, and he's left-handed, and he has bad platoon splits. So I just never really took his candidacy super. Um, I didn't think his le- the candidacy was super legit. So. Um, I I was looking at that bullpen. It's a really terrible bullpen. Um, it's just uh it's just a really really bad bullpen. It reminds me of the Diamondbacks bullpen a couple of years ago. Um, and just looking through that, the only reason Sean Camp is the closer is because Sean Camp is the only sort of competent pitcher in the bullpen. Um, you know, and it, and it actually leaves the door open for Carlos Marmol if he gets it together for a couple of reasons. They could if they could build him back up again, they could maybe sell him, um, you know, get some trade value, trying to get rid of some of that contract. Um, so the door is not completely shut on something else happening. But Sean Camp is, I think, the best pitcher in that pen. Um,
0: now uh, moving uh, uh, not too not too far away, let's see. The uh, I, I I wrote uh, I have some excellent notes here. Um, Oakland is the other probably most surprising name. Uh, was Ryan Cook, um, who I believe is Australian, and I believe that Grant Balfour is also Australian.
1: Oh, no, that is an interesting
0: mix. What's that? That's an interesting mix. Is Grant Balfour Australian, or does he just uh, does well. he just look and act Australian? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I assumed. You know, kind of. Yeah, know, he's from yeah he's from uh, New South Wales. Turns out he's from Sydney.
1: Uh, uh, so we gotta, we, so we have we a, block is that, one bullpen.
0: yeah, who, who will be closing, which Australian will have more close, uh, will have more saves, uh, I guess for the A's or generally, uh, between now and the end of the season. Which Australian?
1: Well, if only, if we're limiting it to the Australians, then it's definitely going to be Ryan Cook because, uh, Grant Ball for, um Ball four,
0: yeah,
1: has, um, has, is pitching in like the seventh inning. Um, and one of the easiest ways to suss out what's happening in a bullpen is just look at innings, look at close games, and look at what inning a, a, a player is brought in. Um, you can kind of do it with leverage index, but, uh, managers are not looking at leverage index. They're looking at innings. <laughs> they're, they're saying, this is the seventh inning of a close game. This is the guy I trust in the seventh inning of close games. This is the eighth inning of a close game. This is the guy I trust. So, um... Balfour's coming in too early in the games, um, and Doolittle is, uh, sort of coming on. Uh, Doolittle's a great story because he's a, a former first baseman who's now got a 96 mile an hour wicket fastball and, uh, the lefty in the, in the open pen that, that might actually factor in. But, uh, given all the, you know, given the fact that Fuentes and, and, and Doolittle are lefties and Balfour is being used in the seventh inning, I'm going to say it's Ryan Cook for the rest of the year. It's the, the big question is his control. He's had bad control in the minors. He doesn't. He's not even really showing great control right now. But we've seen many closers with bad control.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, in fact, I was compelled um, because David Lorela, uh David Lorela, uh this week his um, his FanGraphs audio inside the clubhouse segment was a was a question uh, a question answer session with Brad Lidge. And uh, even Brad Lidge, who uh, was dominant, was crazy dominant for for a good period of time. Uh, even in those dominant years, he was still walking over four batters per nine.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and I, it's bad for me to mention Carlos normal again, but you know, he he had really bad walk rates, and he just got by with the sixteen, you know, strikeouts for nine. So um, we, I think it's. Maybe you know maybe uh, strikeout to walk ratio is um, a little bit more important. I haven't actually seen that specific stat done in a correlation with the closer role, but we've also found um, you know from personal experience and from reading Derek Cardy's work, I've seen um, very few correlations between pitcher-specific stats and uh, saves.
0: So it's so, really all about role. It's it's about role.
1: It's really, really about role. You really want to be looking at the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning usage. Um, there are all sorts of different ways that closers can be closers. I mean you look at Brandon League. I, I hate to bring up these guys that lost their roles, but you know, look at Jim Johnson. There's Jim Johnson um closers that are all about ground balls. There are bad closers. Joe Borowski is the is the patron saint of bad closers. Um you know, there's Francisco Cordero when he was old and bad, and there was Francisco Cordero when he was young and good. So and really
0: until you give the manager a distinct reason to move you out of the role, or until a, play, until a pitcher does, then, then he's going to remain there. And, and so we actually have an interesting example of that right now in Matt Capps, I think. Um, yeah. You had There was at least one question in your chat today, um, your, uh, your Rotographs chat today, about Matt Capps. And it was noted that Matt Caps I think only has one blown save. Yeah. So he's really at this point not given uh, uh, not given Gardenhire any reason to move him out of the closer role. However, he's also not really a great pitcher.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's a that's a good example for roles or skills, and then also. Um, Jack Moore and I, um were, you know, did the fangrass Plus, I mean, it was Jack Moore's piece, but we were, we were thinking about this out uh, loud together, that, that, uh, we thought maybe we could use shutdowns and meltdowns to predict, um to predict closer changes, and that wasn't even possible, because, and I think it's probably, because it's such a, it's, it's in the manager's hand, and the manager is probably the least safer guy, um in most, uh, front offices, if you want to include them in the front office, and um, they just have different leashes, you know, and, and different players, and I think contract probably has something to do with it, too. Look at Heath Bell. Heath Bell had meltdown after meltdown this year, and he should have been probably removed if he had been a young guy on, the, on his way up that didn't have a contract. He might have been, he might not be closing now, it might be Sishek right now. He's probably a worse pitcher than Sisek right now, and if we looked at meltdowns, we would have thought, oh, he's out of the role. But there he is, back in the role.
0: Right. Yeah. And, I, and so th- th- this is interesting stuff to me, this sort of like uh, behavioral, it, it's sort of a behavioral psychology applied to applied to fantasy sports, in particular uh, anticipating closer uh, closer roles.
1: Yeah, it sure is. I mean, you're, you're talking monkey suit stuff in a way. I mean, are we talking, you know, Heath Bell, we're talking about, a guy who's new to new to his team but has a big contract, you know. Um, there are other pitchers that have been, you know, on their own team for longer that had big contracts that you know, maybe they'd even more or less likely to move out. I mean there's really interesting things and, and I've called it thinking stupid, but it's not thinking stupid. It's just it's just it's a very not numbers based thing. It's been you know, I've done this whole series about trying to predict teams that have um, high saves totals and trying to predict, and I've kind of, you know, done some work on trying to predict players that have, um, high save totals and the numbers very rarely, um, I mean it's really hard to find any number that you can hang your hat on. I, I looked through all the team specific stuff and what I found was, uh, teams with good bullpens have more saves. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and <laughs> and uh, the only other thing I found out was uh, teams that score more runs. Right, and you know that seems to make sense too.
0: Right, not not necessarily. uh, I uh, I guess it doesn't reveal as much as you might expect. It's it's, it's, in some ways it's simpler, right? Or the idea is that it's it's a question that we where we don't necessarily look at the data, or it's 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 different data set, right? It's it's based more on previous decision making than it is uh, than it is anything else. Yeah.
1: Uh, One name. It's very specific to the manager in, in charge. I think. Uh, one name,
0: one name that came up in your chat as a p- possible closer, or, or someone who might receive, I should say, save opportunities, was Derek Holland. Is that true?
1: No, Greg.
0: Oh, well, then what am I talking about? Of course, Greg. Well, that that approaches, uh, or that at least nods at the uh, the one other role that I was curious about, which is Broxton in Kansas City. Yeah. And that's yeah. something that you so, think maybe Broxton is losing control over that. Greg Holland has been out injured.
1: Oh, no, it's so hard. That one's really hard. It's uh, you know, I'm tempted to look at team stuff there because Kansas City, you know, probably not contending. Uh, Broxton's on a one-year contract. Um, you know, can they move him? Well, his his, his overall stats look okay. But his peripherals don't look as nice. Um, can they move him, um, or, you know, if there is any sort of regression towards the kind of pitching that his peripheral suggests, um, how much loyalty will the Royals have to him, and how much will they think, if we can establish Greg Holland as our closer, then maybe we don't have to pick up the Saria option. Um, so they have that in play, too, because, you know, is coming back from a second Tommy John. Um, I might be sorry, so.
0: actually. I know that you're not particularly adept at, Pronouncing last names. I can't
1: pronounce it. I believe anything. it's
0: Joachim Soria, yeah, or Joachim. Uh, my name is Joakim. Hano Joakim. Hano I don't know Hano. the first name. Yeah, Joachim is more interesting to me, but, I, yeah, I believe it's Soria. Oh, well,
1: and I and I, and I call Joachim Joachim a lot, and my wife
0: says... Just... What did you say?
1: <laughs> well, you,
0: like, found a way to mispronounce it. What, what was your...
1: <laughs>
0: Joachim. Joachim? That's not a, a real thing. You're just uh, you're trolling
1: the world oh, now. I it's, it's real that I say it. No, it is. Yeah, that's a fact. It, it is a fact
0: that that's how you say it. Uh, so, so what you're saying is you, you start. So, in this particular case with the Royals, you have that model that you use, which is to say, um, you know, which is which is somewhat predictive of who will become the next closer. But then you also have the specifics of a club to look at.
1: Yeah. Well, so what, what, what you can say is skills now, so if you're looking at the roles, you're, then, um, then, uh, what you see is that Greg Holland is pitching in the eighth innings now. So, he moved, he, he was, he was hurt, he wasn't so great, and he was hurt, uh, when he came back, Crow was kind of in the eighth inning, and they immediately slotted Holland into the eighth inning. So, that shows you that they have, uh, they have trust in him, they, they love his, ability. He's got great strikeout punch. He's got pretty good control. so He's he's a really good pitcher, actually. And he's a way better pitcher than uh, Jonathan Brockeson right now. So, you know, it's an interesting one. It it should be Greg Holland, maybe right now. um, According to, uh, you know, if if you believe that closers should be your best pitcher in the bullpen, you know, and, and you believe in the way that closers are used, it should be Greg Holland.
0: Okay. Now, I want to ask you about some young players. I have one specific name in mind, and then I'd like to ask you some others that we should maybe care about. Uh, but the first one I want to ask you about is Trevor Bauer. Uh, Trevor Bauer, of course, is uh, near and dear to the hearts of many a uh, baseball nerds uh, because he himself, uh, I guess, at least has some unique uh, traits, not the least of which is that he's interested in data, and he's, he appears to be interested in pitch effects and, um, you know, Looking out, looking for empirical empirical data to, to support some of his ideas. Um, he also has some uh, unique and idiosyncratic notions of training um, and and what that ought to look like. Um, he's known for all of those things. I'm curious. Uh, A, um, well, I sort of I guess I have an idea. I'm guessing our listeners have an idea of what sort of pitcher he'll be. But but in terms of role, I mean, what, when's he going to see the major leagues? You know, will be a starter? Or will he maybe be sort of a, a reliever in the uh, to kind of uh, get his feet wet, as it were?
1: I, you know, I, the way that they're they're starting him, I think that he's a starter. I think I think that he's a starter, and so you have to start to look at um, who's going to lose their role in the Arizona rotation to make it work for him. Um, he's definitely ahead of a Skaggs because. Of the, of the way they've advanced him in the minor leagues, um, and then probably from a sort of scouting perspective, he's ahead of Skaggs because he's got more uh, plus pitches and uh, more impressive strikeout numbers. Of course, the walk rate is a big is a big issue, um, and uh, it is surprising to have someone who is so into um, thinking about a pitch effect stuff um, to have he has a, a poor ground ball rate. And the minors. I mean, I wouldn't call it poor. I guess sort of average-ish, below average. But he actually, um, but he,
0: he celebrates. He, he uh, sings right. the praises of pitching high.
1: Well, and, and Dave Allen did show that you get more strikeouts high in the zone and you get more ground balls low in the zone. So, you know, if he thinks that he can suppress home runs somehow, or, um, if he wants that trade off and he wants the strikeouts instead of the ground balls, then that's fine. Um, but, you know, it seems to me that the research shows that both of those things are good and that, you know, ideally you want a Roy Halliday, right? You want to strike out the ground balls.
0: Yeah. That's a good thing to be. You should be Roy Halliday. That's what pitching coaches suggest. Yeah. I mean we've seen Charlie Morton try to do that. Yeah, we've seen Charlie Morton try to do that and what he's result- what's resulted in is lefties killing him and now he's injured. So
1: well, I I would just say uh, I like Bauer. I would have I would roster him over someone like Ivaldi, who has an unclear role, might get unseated, and I'm talking about in non-keeper leagues. Um, so I I, th- I think there's a, a reason to pick out Bauer in in most leagues. Um, but you know you have to think about innings limits and um, the fact that it's not like his minor league numbers are unblemished.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, he does. He's walking people. Yeah. So, that's yeah. the thing. That's he's got it da-
1: in Triple A so far in 37 innings. He's got it down to uh, just under four walks per nine, and that's his best right. walk rate. For
0: right. That's yeah. That's still quite a bit. Um, now, I'm curious uh, as to some other players, uh, some other sort of notable prospects, sorts, or uh, you know, minor league players who are performing well, who we might be uh, seeing soon. Uh, in the major leagues, and that would be of some interest to uh, to fantasy owners to at least it's a, you know uh, perhaps pick up now, or at least to be aware of the fact that uh, these players might be available soon uh, with with uh, some sort of significant role with their major league major league club.
1: Um, I guess the big one that everyone's asking about is Will Myers. Okay. Um, and the, problem is that he's not a center fielder. I mean, they're trying him in center field but, the, you know, from what I've heard, it's not working out so well and he was a catcher before so there's not a ton of catchers from in center field out there with Craig Vigio. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> I think um, I think there's a roster crunch there and so they have Frenchie um, sort of on a, it's actually on a decent deal. I think it's like four and a half, five million a year for this year and next.
0: Right, yeah, there's some suggestion um, that he would earn his money.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it and seems totally possible. therefore be somewhat interesting to a team that needed uh, a bat, especially against lefties, um, that could, you know, play the corner outfield with pretty decent defense, you know, because of his arm. Um, I think there's, Maybe some demand for that. I mean we're we're doing a series right now on the front of the side about um, needs and I know that left and right field have come up for different teams. Um the Nationals look like they could use an outfielder um at times and you know, he's not a center fielder though, so I I think um I remain somewhat about Myers coming up but he's just mashing the ball. Wait, am I, am I
0: correct am I correct in thinking that he is a twenty one year old who has now hit 22 home runs between double and triple A in maybe like 250 plate appearances. Is that, does that sound right? Yeah. 22 home runs. Cause yeah. the other thing is, he's not a big, he's not a big guy. I've seen, I've actually seen him before. He's not much taller than I am. And I didn't, I feel like he was not much, um, you know, he did not look ripped. Um, so what I'm thinking, but he's obviously had, he certainly has, pedigree. Uh, he's just a natural hitter, but it's, it does surprise me to see these power numbers. I mean, I assume that part of it, at some level, comes from playing in Omaha, uh, which is the PSL, which is generally pretty friendly, but I don't think that's the same with whatever their double-A, I feel like, is Northwestern Arkansas or something like that. Is that the thing? Is that where they play? Yeah, yeah that's,
1: that's their double-A,
0: yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and I don't... Yeah, I, don't I know. mean... I. It, it, it nothing really. There's a, you know, a one that, that, that double A stint, he had a kind of a bad strikeout rate, but otherwise he's got power, patience, um, uh, you know, enough defense in the corner outfield to is not, that's not really a problem. So, uh, I mean, are the Royals, do the Royals need to rush him? Probably not. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting one. Will Myers is, is the one everyone's asking about, and uh, it's not. Uh, I don't see him knocking on the door right now, just just because of more of what's going on at the major league level and what's than what he's doing.
0: Right. Yeah. And there, there I guess I. Uh, he was known. I think it was certainly even before he converted to the outfield. He was known for being an athletic catcher, right? But there, there are questions as to whether he's athletic enough. Oh, and um, in this case, probably not experienced enough to play center field at the at the major league level.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, at some point Kane's gonna be back. So I don't. I, mean, I think they still remain somewhat excited about Kane. They traded for him. So right. Yeah.
0: Let's see. What? Uh, how much? Oh, you know, we've gone a half hour now. You know, we've gone a half All hour. Right. I mean, that's that's what a half hour looks like. Is there anything else? Uh, I know yeah. you did a lightning round. Um, we could do if we want to do a lightning round esque
1: um, segment <laughs> here,
0: but I'm curious. you
1: on the phone like this. Huh? You have you have some right? You have some questions? About? Oh
0: God, no, 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 no. I guess I'm curious just just to uh, some other things that you feel like have been coming up recently. What you know, whether it's a chat or whether it's it's by email or the uh, Rotographs mail bag. What's the what's the email address for the Hello. Rotographs mailbag? bag?
1: Um. Well, that's a really good question. Oh, my God. Come on, you know. Uh, I good. mean, I think it's Rotographs. At, yeah, uh, I can see
0: it. Yeah, it's Rotographs Mailbag. It's Rotographs Mailbag. You
1: have to do Rotographs Plus Mailbag. Rotographs Plus at Mailbag fanagraphs.com.
0: at Fangraphs.com. Rotographs Plus Mailbag at Fangraphs.com. But I'm curious as to uh, as to what questions you're seeing. You know, we've, we discussed a couple guys. We discussed Bauer. Because Myers. Uh, we've looked at some. Uh, I think
1: there's, there's a lot of people wondering about um, Logan Morrison a little bit.
0: What's going on with uh, Morrison these days?
1: He, he was supposed to be better than this, and uh, he had that power spike last year, and you know, he kind of came up as a as a patience and doubles kind of guy um, in the uh, in the Marlins organization. And I, I always thought he was going to be like a 280, 2080 guy. And um, that's why going into the season, I made the bold prediction that the Kududa would outperform Logan Morrison in every category, or every five by five category. And uh, that looks like it's going to be true. But I think that it's gone too far in the other direction. That that people are too down on Logan Morrison. And you know, when I looked at his peripherals, he's um, he's doing about the same amount of walking and striking out. Um, His swinging strike rate is still good. He makes a lot of contact. And I looked at his added ball profile in terms of how much he's pulling the ball and how far the ball is going. And he, I think maybe the quote-unquote reason for the, um, for the power spike last year is he started pulling the ball more, and he's still pulling the ball at that amount. So we know that power is one of the things that takes the longest to stabilize. And so I think that we're going to see a nice little barrage from Logan Morrison at some point that will make his overall stats look a lot better.
0: You you are you are crazy for Lucas Duda. <laughs> you have a serious problem. And not
1: uh, not well, doing pr- I,
0: particularly well by Fangraphs War at the moment, uh, largely because of his glove. Oh
1: <laughs> my gosh, he is so not a a, a real life player. Right, it's, it's uh it's pretty terrible. I mean. I've had someone challenged my I, I wrote about the, the first base situation, the, the Mets first base situation and um the fact that they pretty much have like four first bases in the field right now. And um and someone challenged my 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 reading on Duda's defense and said, I watch, you know, ninety percent of the games and Duda doesn't look that bad out there and I just I just think, oh my gosh, how can we be watching the same guy? Um, and it, it, defense is so hard because this, it's just people. People watch the same guy and have totally different ideas of what just happened.
0: Well, yeah, uh, and the thing I is, I would also submit that on television, for example, you don't, uh, you rarely get a, a sense of of you know what the what the fielder did, um, you know, when the ball came off the bat, which is I think a, there's a lot of a lot of what we call defensive ability. You know, happens their, their route. right. It happens.
1: Yo.
0: There's the route, and it just have. It's it's immediately once the ball, it, you know, fielding. It, obviously, there's some physical ability to to it, and I think someone like Nigel Morgan, for example, who I see who takes um, unique routes to the ball. Um, he's you know he's like, who we know of, what we know of Nigel Morgan as a guy, is totally present in how he goes about fielding too. Typically, he's. Um, He's, you know, he's rated as an above average center fielder. Looking at him, though, you wonder how that's possible because he's, he's just all, <laughs> all over the place. He gets the, he gets the job done ultimately. And I think that that was maybe a criticism that was leveled against Jacoby Ellsbury's defense as well. He had the physical tools to do it, certainly above average physical tools, one might say. Um, but he would, uh, he also was taking poor routes. I think a lot of what we call defense, though, especially sort of that innate defensive ability occurs within, you know, occurs in like the first half a second uh, with the ball off the bat. Maybe even, you know, I don't know for the precise is, but it's when the ball hits the bat. What is the, you know, how does the the defender react? And um, yeah, you know, a lot of that there. And,
1: and and you know, you know, some of my, I'll admit that some of my uh, appreciation for Duda comes from having met him. Um, and you know, access does do funny things to you sometimes. Um, he's just a really nice guy um, doesn't seem you know as caught up in being you know a pro baseball player as some guys get, and um, he's really sort of earnest and uh, hardworking, sort of steadfast guy. and I do see that in personality a little bit in the field where if he if he can study something and he can think about it and 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 he can and he's really comfortable then he can excel. but I've never really seen that. In the outfield, I just uh, I see him more tentative. I don't think that he has great instincts, and there was a ball in Tampa Bay that was probably six feet away from him, you know, and he ran three feet and it dropped three feet away from him. So I know the the results don't look great. Um, I do think that he could maybe be a good first baseman. He's a big guy. We, one of my nicknames for him is the Ox. And uh, he's just a really big guy, and I that's why I believed that the power um, was real or coming or whatever. That he that he's not um, you know just a patience guy. Right. And um, and I think that we're seeing some of the the rewards uh, that you know some of the fruits of his effort in terms of how he how hard he tried to to learn the league um, and learn how to to work at the plate. Uh, I'm just not sure that. Even in all the work he wants to put in the outfielder, he's going to be a great outfielder, or even a scratch outfielder any day. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's, uh, it, it makes the Mets have an interesting situation there to figure out. Um, Ike's looking a little better recently. There's a lot of questions about Ike Davis, too, but, you know, just from watching Ike Davis's swing, I, I think that he's going to have contact problems a little bit. He has a big hitch in it and there's a lot of movement. And, um, to me, he, um he, he kind of seems more a little bit more like a, a glove and patience first baseman, um, which means to me that maybe Duda is the one that gets traded um, if you really has to choose. Because I doubt that glove and patience first baseman really um, bring as much back in a return in a trade as as they should.
0: Right. Okay. Well, hey, good. Uh, and I think that actually uh, you and I have a meeting to get to uh, at the moment. Oh no, perhaps we don't. No meeting this week.
1: Nope. No meaning. Oh, look at that.
0: I'm going to live it yeah. up. But it does appear as though, as we hit the uh, the uh, 2 o'clock hour central time, um, that we have another uh, football match to watch. Oh, that's right. Yeah, England-Sweden is love. going now. France is just 1-2-0. Uh, great days to be alive, really. Great days to be alive, I think we can all agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun time. All right, well, listen, you know, um, I'm going to invite you just, you know, for some adult conversation uh, immediately after uh, we're done recording but for the meantime I will thank you um, on behalf of all of our listeners wrapped with attention I'll thank you for appearing on this Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio
1: thank you for having me
0: yeah of course it was a pleasure having you if you know what I mean that is Eno Saris Carson Sestouli this has been the Fantasy Friday edition as I say of Fangraphs Audio